Welcome to Place Prints, a 10-part audio series by David Rudkin that gives a voice to the stories that haunt different locations across the British Isles. The first in the series is titled River of Course and is set in a world-famous location in Warwickshire. This place print will begin after a brief introduction by the writer. When I gave this group of audio pieces the general title Place Prints, I was thinking of how that term is usually understood. A brief sighting one might have of a moment from the past somehow printing through into the now. But none of them have turned out quite so simple as that. Even in this one, actually the first to be written, it's more a place print turned inside out. Not something we see, but something looking at us. We're at a world-famous river crossing, here haunted by an invisible presence bound to this place these past nigh on 2,000 years by guilt and shame for a dreadful betrayal he has done. The location itself I don't identify. I want it to come as something of a revelation when, at the end, layer by historical layer, the celebrated name of this place is suddenly brought into the light. There is still somewhere here where you could stand and look, and you might see me. I glimpse it sometimes. A slope of the riverbank in the shade of a lime tree by what looks like a grey stone wall. It is very changed since my time. Busy now with folk eating and drinking and little boats. And there was no tree then and no wall. And the bank lay lower. But I know it is the same. I do not know why I see it. I do not know why I am still here to see it. Long after I know that I am dead. It is as though here, where I am, holds onto my being and will not let it go. When I see that glimpse of bank as it is in time to come, it is as though there should be someone standing there to look and see me. And that would give my being sleep. But there is no one. Either remembering on me still bright and sharp, still cutting me to my heart. Of that first time I see those outlanders. There's two of them. They are dressed as we. But the way of them moving is not our way. It puts a fear on me. The way they steal through our woodland softly, not to be heard. The woodland itself is fallen hushed. Still as a horse or ox when knowing of its death is near. And the birds singing too is hushed. I too and my saw are fallen still and hushed, tree among trees. These are some kind of foe. I can see that. New outlander foe. And hear about some thieving. 
At the edge of our woodland they hold back, and from amid the trees look out across our lands to where our river is. They stand and talk softly. It is not our tongue. One of them raises his hand toward our river, and amid what they say I hear more than once a word that to my hearing is like flavium. If that is their word for a river, they are surely not of our kindred, for our word is avona. Suddenly they turn to come back, and one of them sees me. I stay still as a tree among trees, but then the other, he too has seen me. He shouts at me, a barking that has lord in it as though I am his bondsman. And then, in two words of my own tongue, where river crossing? He does not speak our words well, but it puts a sick feeling into my heart that this foe knows them at all. More loudly in our tongue he says again, where river crossing? I know now who these men are. The traders from the south have told us of them. Romans is the name on them. They do not all come from their town of that name, but from all the other lands that Romans have stolen in the world. Already in the south of our land, beyond the great ridge of hills behind us, they are stealing the land of other clans of our kindred. Who withstands them, they slaughter. So I'm thinking, if I be helpful to these Romans, they will be sparing to my clan. I have to think very fast, what do I do? And very fast find answer. I come with the two Romans out from the trees and lead them to show them where our crossing passes through the water and the head of the crossing. But I have not their Roman tongue on me to tell them. Whenever we tread through that river, first we must wash our faces in that water and seek the kind will of Our Lady of the River Crossing. I have only my own tongue in which I can tell them. It is her river crossing, and only is it by her kind will may we tread through the water of her river here. The two foemen nod their heads, but I can see they do not understand me. With no word further, with no thanking, they turn back towards our woodlands and are gone. And soon the woodland lives and sings again. But my heart has fallen in me heavy as a stone. Something new for us is in the world. And it is bad. The next time there are five of them. Two seem fighters of high rank with swords and daggers in their belts and breast shields and leather stripped boots. One wears a bright red cloak and rides a fine white horse. The other goes on foot. His thighs are in shielding too and he carries a long stave with one end shaped like a ball. The others look, two of them, like only low rank fighters. The third is not a fighter. He is one of those who came before to find where our river crossing is. I think now he was sent ahead of these fighters to find out such things. He's coming from the woodland toward me, with a high-rank fighter on foot with the stave. This time I can't be tree among trees. I'm out on the open land, weaving hurdles to pen our sheep. I can only stop and watch them come to me.
The fighter with the stave is asking the other something. It must be about how in our tongue we say river, because I hear the other answer him, Avona. The fighter with the stave says it after him very badly, Avona, and says it again, Avona. Then raises his stave toward me, beckons me to him. There's great fear on me then. He raises his stave toward our river and shouts at me, Avona, very loud. Then another word very loud, our word for the name we give a child. I don't understand. Our river is a river, not a child. He asks me again. The same words, only even louder. River, name, Avona, I tell him. Again, river, of course. Dullwit Roman. I see behind him the highest-ranking fighter on the white horse take out something like an off-break of bark and start to make scratches on it with something like a long needle. To the one who'd come before to find out, he says some words in his Roman tongue. But I hear our word, Avona, among them. And then again, very slowly, he says, Avona, as he makes his scratches on the bark. What did you tell them? My clansfolk ask. I say, they asked me what name is on our river. I told them the name on it is River, of course. I don't speak of the time before, when I led those first foemen to the head of our river crossing. I had never spoken of that. My father says, why did they come in broad daylight, so few of them and unshielded by others? Says one of my brothers, they must have made some understanding somewhere with others of our kindred to go unshielded through these lands. We all go about our work, a heavy uneasiness upon us, and it does not lift. I'm trying to make myself believe the Romans won't be back. Also, I say to myself, anyone can see where a river is widest. That's where the water is likely to be most shallow. They don't need me to show them. All the same, there is on me a knowing I did wrong to show them. And a knowing they'll be back. One day, suddenly they are. They come, a great swarm of them. First, a band with ropes they draw out long, true and unbending through our woodland. And along that rope, they make white daubs on the trees. Then come more with axes, and where those daubs are, start chopping down those trees. And as they drag up the roots from the earth, I hear the trees cry out. These Romans seem not to hear. They are cutting through our woodland a wide, open way, true as the flight of a crow. Then come others after, digging with strange spades, a deep ditch all the width of that wide way, and all the length of it where the trees are gone, and out across our farmlands, between more of those ropes drawn long and unbending, true again as the flight of a crow to our forehead. 
Then, drudging and hauling, come whole herds of their low-ranking fighters, tugging cartloads of broken rock and tipping them into that long, long, unending ditch. They work like ants. I cannot believe the drudgery I see. All the length of this wide open ditch from down the slope of the hills behind us, all through our woodland and out over our farmland to the river, what they make is itself like a river. A long, wide, unbending riverbed of broken rock. This is some thieving these Romans have done, some haughty overlordliness to be doing this to our lands. Then come yet more of them, dragging cartloads now of finer broken rock, and tip that in onto their first bed of rough rock to lay it as a higher, finer bed, almost filling to the top of the ditch, all the length of its way over our lands. And after come yet more of them and spread all the way along on top of that a third bed, a soft thickness of stone dust and sand and water, like a tilth, thick and smooth, level with the ground, all the length of that ditch filled in now. And into that thick, soft coating they set slabs of rock they have dug from our hills, laying them to fit and lock together as we build a wall. But these make a paved way, hard and flat, and all so true to the flight of a crow. I never saw so crows flight true a work of man. We can do nothing but watch this wounding done to our lands. Each sound, each stroke of each tool hits like a nail hammered into our hearts. But it is a wonder nonetheless, a mighty thing. And soon I am learning that many another such way is being already laid. To the south of the ridge of hills behind us, in other of our kinsmen's lands these Romans have stolen and are wounding as their own. They have heard of the great salt springs away north of our river, and this huge drudgery toil is all to help them bring salt from there and back south across our river to our lost lands that they have now made theirs. And onto our ford, into the water itself, they spill more cartloads of rock and rubble till it rises as a stone road through the water for their fighters and their horses and their carts and wagons to pass along. All this they do and heed nothing of Our Lady of the River Crossing. She stands there unseen of them all while they befoul her with their ropes and rock and spades and tools. In all this time, I'm taking into me some words of their Roman tongue. They say mother, father, almost as we do. And they tell with words very like ours, one, two, three. Even their four and five sound almost the same. But we have no word for this crow's flight, hard stone way they build of those four thicknesses. For we ourselves have never built such ways. I try to ask these Romans their Roman word for this. One day I raise my hand toward it and try to ask them with my few Roman words, what name? Quid nomen? One barks at me, as though angry I have used his words. Quid nomen? Then, like a teacher teaching a stupid boy, 
something like strata, he says very slowly. He makes with his hands a shape like laying something on top of something else, then something on that. Strata. That must be their word for the thicknesses or beds of broken rock and dust and slabs. But I can see their thicknesses or beds. What name, I ask? Via Abet. I am trying to say what name is on the way itself. At first, I think they don't understand me. Then I see they do, and they're laughing. He looks at the others, touching his head as though I am a poor dullwit. It has stayed in me ever since, seeing them laugh when I asked that. It was unkindly of them to think me a dullwit. I just wanted to know what, for them, the name was on the way itself. Then, one day, came to me a sudden seeing in the head. That very first morning they had come. I had thought these Romans, Dulwitz, were asking what name is on our river. River, of course. Avona. This was the same. Thicknesses, of course. Beds. Strata. So here I stand now, this long two thousand years. Thurled to Our Lady's crossing, now so wounded and befouled. While about me my lands and the people and houses upon them have changed and changed again. And changed and changed again and again. Changing always to lands and kindreds and houses I do not know. I stand here as after the Romans another warrior kindred come. I hear these call our crossing a ford, and they build houses at what once had been our head of it, and more across it at the other. As I stand here, I see before me and about me more and more houses. Nowhere about me now can I see land at all. All is hurrying humankind, drudging like those herds of Romans dragging carts though I never see who wields the whip. And all is hushed about me, hushed as death. On me is seeing only. Sometimes I think I am only two eyes, and even those eyes cannot be seen by others, as though I am seeing in a dream. Just now I see a woman away there looking out toward me, from up on the height of the bank. I think it is a woman. Her garb is ugly. I do not see from what skins her clothing is made. Skins of some outlandish being, surely. Her hair is fair, but shaven short of the sides and back of her head like a man. She wears breeches like a man, but tight to her legs. Yet I feel she is a woman. For sure she cannot be our lady of the river crossing in garb so ugly. Now she takes up some little black toy, it must be, and holds it near before one of her eyes. She turns with it slowly as though following with her eyes through it a flight of a bird's slow lifting from the river. She gives no sign that she sees me, not even through that little black toy. No. 
She is not Our Lady of the River Crossing. Our Lady is this long time gone. Great is the sorrow is on me. For what I am after doing to bring the Romans here. Great shame is on me too. I showed them our river crossing. I thought this would make them kind to us and friendly. But they paid my welcome no heed. Made us as nothing and put us under their yoke. Yes, if I had not done this, of themselves they would have found the river crossing and made us nonetheless their slaves. Or someone else from our clan would have shown them. But it is I showed them. It is I gave Our Lady over to them, to smirch, and do to ugly death with their spades and tools. Of course she is gone. Fear is on me, deep and cold, that she is angry with me. And this is why I still stand as I do, fast to this footing forever where their strata, Ford, our Avona, and my being does not sleep. David Rudkin's River, of course, was performed by Richard Lynch, directed by Jack McNamara, with sound and music by Adam McCready. It was produced by New Perspectives Theatre Company, funded by the Space and Arts Council England. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please consider writing us a review and subscribing to the series. To learn more about our work and watch the accompanying short films by Grant G, please visit newperspectives.co.uk.